It's time for the Hammer Down with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. about here on Monday's show. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Uh, again, <laughs> the NIL thing coming back into the news again. After uh, you know, Coach Walters had uh, was, was on an indie radio station today talking and uh, kind of made a comment that just, I don't know, man. Uh, not Look, I'm not stirring up any controversy with this coach. It's not like that. It's just, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it here in just a little bit. Uh, let's go ahead and get started, though. It's need-to-know news time. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, a mixed bag for your Chicago baseball teams over the weekend. The Cubs did take their series in L.A. over the Dodgers, following a 3-2 win yesterday in the rubber match. Patrick Wisdom has homered in all three of those three straight games for him, so he's loving the left coast. Cody Bellinger went yard yesterday as well. He's now riding a six-game hit streak and he had a rough start to the season, so that's good news for Cubs fans. Drew Smiley goes five and two-thirds, four hits, one run, and three Ks is exactly what they need from him. Cubs also overtook Pittsburgh for second in the Central. Both teams sit two games behind the Brewers. Cubs are going to head to Oakland tonight. Hayden Wesnetsky is on the bump, taking on Kyle Muller. Cubs a minus-135 favorite, and... Interesting situation at the Oakland Coliseum. MLB teams reportedly visiting the Oakland A's have been unable to use the visiting broadcast booth. Why? Quote, a possum has been living inside its walls and has been since last season. There is a possum who has been living in the walls of the visiting broadcast booth since last year, and they have not taken care of this. Yeah, they're going to Las Vegas. Good Lord, how cheap can you be? Get it out of there! That's a wild story, man. Meanwhile, the White Sox, uh, they had the other end of the stick here. They come up short at home against the Orioles, 8-4 to yesterday in the final. Dylan Cease gave up two earned runs. The team, though, giving up four in his six innings of work. He also struck out five. Sox batter struck out 13 times, though. Berger did get his fourth homer of the year. Uh, today's game against Philadelphia, the opener has been canceled. They're scheduled to play Philadelphia tomorrow. Lucas Giolito taking on Falter. How about Purdue men's golf? They win the Boilermaker invite by one shot over 11th-ranked Oklahoma. It's the first time they've won the Boilermaker Invitational since 2011. Herman Sechney is a cheat code, guys. Final round, 64, the third best 18-hole individual score in tournament history. His tournament total of 202 was the second best score in tournament history. Sechney's 64 was the third best 18-hole score in Purdue history. His 202 
was the fourth best in Purdue history. Sechney has five tournaments of 205 or better. Only Cole Bradley, Adam Shank have more than one tournament of 205 or better. Sechney also set a school record for rounds in the 60s now with 12, coming in just 24 of those rounds. Holy smokes. So his three medalist honors now make him one of five golfers in school history to win three tournaments. Nick Dentino shot a 29 on the front nine yesterday. He, sh- he started on five and then ended his round uh, with birdies in his final four holes, including a 15-footer on three, a 35-foot birdie putt from the collar on the fringe up against the rough on four, And that put him into a top 10 spot and helped beat Oklahoma. Way to go, boys. That's how you get it done. Women's golf, they're out of Ohio State. They finished fifth in that tourney. Ashley Kozlowski, the low boiler. She finishes ninth. Baseball went into a doubleheader on Saturday to avoid the weather on Sunday. They took both games against Penn State, and uh, they're able to take that series 2-1. to one. They'll be back again on Tuesday and Wednesday at home, which should actually be some decent weather again. So uh, great chance to get out to um, Alexander because they do do, uh, like what, $3 general admission tickets Tuesday and Wednesday? They do those midweek matchups? That's good stuff. It's 3-10 softball. They'll be back on Tuesday as well against Butler. They struggled against Michigan over the weekend, got no hit in games one and three. They took the, the, the opener of the doubleheader on Saturday. They'll be back again in Bittinger again on Tuesday again against Butler. Women's tennis tells the Hoosiers to uh, hold this L. 4-1 to the final there. Congratulations to them. And some big-time news today in the NFL that will uh, very much shake these contract negotiations with quarterbacks in the future. Listen to this. Jalen Hurts, five years, $255 million, over $179 million of that is guaranteed. It now makes him the highest paid player in NFL history. That's big money. Absolutely huge money. And that will reverberate around the league. And there you go. That'll be today's Need to Know News. Well, who's ready to start out the week a big winner? We got NBA playoffs going on. We got NHL Stanley Cup playoffs starting up tonight. We got baseball going on. DraftKings will help you out with a no-sweat same-game parlay, same-game parlay X every day throughout the NBA playoffs. They've also got a uh, a superstar super boost. Harden to record a double-double boost at a plus 100. Make sure you opt in. Splash Brothers super boost. Clay and Steph, nine plus combined threes, boosted a plus 100. They'll get you a no-sweat Stanley Cup bet tonight. They'll get you a plus 200 odd surge on any first goal scorer in the Islanders in Carolina tonight. Ooh, I like that. Carolina's going to come out firing. Get up to 100% boost on your MLB same-game parlays for every leg that you add. Live profit booster pack for your live MLB bets tonight. Get two 25% boosts to play with during live betting tonight. So there's a lot going on. So I want to get into it tonight with the NHL playoffs. We're usually pretty darn good with the NHL, so I'm hoping 
uh, to take advantage here. Um, first off, rumor is right now that Boston, the Bruins, the President's Trophy winners, the, the record setters, dealing with uh, an illness going throughout the locker room here. Not sure who's going to be available tonight. Oh, boy. You can still pick up the Panthers tonight at plus 190. If you're thinking about the upset in Boston. I will put uh, Boston goalie uh, Swayman on my over-under card tonight. Over 28.5 saves. Florida averages 35.5 shots on goal in their last 10 road games. And with that illness going through the locker room, they will not be pulling him. I can almost guarantee you that. And if they're going to be down, guys, they might be slow. So I think there's a good chance right there of getting some shots on goal. I also like uh, Philip Gustafsson over in Minnesota. He's got a low number, 27 and a half saves. Minnesota's allowed 37.6 shots on goal in their last 10 road games. Dallas averages 31.8 shots at home uh, per uh, this game. Averages 31.8 shots on goal at home this season. So there you go. Those are the two that I really like to dig out there. Minnesota's goalie, Philip Gustafsson, over 27.5 saves. And then uh, Boston Swayman, over 28.5 saves, uh, is uh, what I like here this evening. Those will be my plays. I like that. You can go ahead and, uh, again, don't forget, you've got that NHL, uh, no sweat, same game parlay that you can throw to, or just a no sweat uh, bet tonight. Even better. Same game parlay. So put that together, uh, or you can use it in the NBA, and uh, you can make it in a same game parlay X and put those on there, whatever you like. Best of luck. I, I just I like hockey, man. That's where I feel like the bread and butter is for me. I like a lot of shots tonight, so uh, let's uh, go ahead and make ourselves big winners. All right, here's what we got to do. we got to take a little break here. All right? We're going to come back. Um, Coach Walters doing some indie radio interviews today had said something that caught my eye. Um, when it comes to you know NIL, and I know you guys have a lot of feelings about it. I, I got feelings about it too. Uh, but he said something today. It kind of kind of took me back a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about that. What it means going forward and more. That's next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 101. Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. You know, you can always connect with me, chime in on the Hammerhead hotline by texting at 765-447-4080. That's 765-447-4080. Always love to hear from you. So I, I did not uh, catch... The entirety, because uh, I didn't hear about it till like later on, so I didn't realize Coach Ryan Walters was down with uh, Kevin and Query today down in Indianapolis doing the radio interview. But something that he said really stood out to me, and to be honest with you, I was a little taken back by the, the frankness of it. So I, I will read you. This is the tweet from Tom Deanhart that summarized it. Quote, we don't need facilities anymore. You've just got to give to the alliance so we can go get guys. Facilities here are top-notch, and I couldn't be more happy. And to me, that is, you know, just a little bit, you know, direct, isn't it? And we continue to move in that direction. That the... 
collectives now have become the most important aspect in college athletics, at least for football and basketball. Now, in some places, those uh, there are other sports that become more important. I've heard, you know, some other schools that value things like wrestling and and you know other sports like that are given out six figures to some of those athletes to protect those brands. But I was a little surprised that we heard it that directly. That it essentially, you know, it, it comes off as don't worry about giving to the school, give it to the alliance. I could do more damage with that than we can with building a new facility or getting a new toy like that. And I couldn't help but think about this. If you listen to the show, you know where I stand on this. The NIL stuff is completely fine by me. You should be able to go out and do the endorsements, sponsors, do the TV ads, whatever. You should be able to go and get yourself your free pizza from the local shop. They want to hook you up. Whatever. That's fine. But myself, and I know I'm not the only one, don't like under the guise of you know, doing this charity stuff that you're able to funnel six, in some places, probably seven figures uh, to athletes to, to play at the institution. I understand now it's common practice, and I understand now that it's that's part of the game, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't blame kids that take advantage of that stuff because if I were a kid, you were a kid in that position, and somebody's offering you X amount of dollars, it sure as heck is going to factor into your decision of where you go. As much as you want to admit that you're like, no, I would like to go to a place where um, I like the coach, I like the facilities, I get my degree, yada, yada, yada. You know that if you're down between like three or four places and one's offering considerable more money than the other one, you can't tell me you're not thinking about taking that one. Like We've discussed this. But this is the first time that somebody I feel like has been that direct about it in, in our little sphere of influence. And, and I had this little kind of trip down memory lane with it just a bit. Because when we went through, and I, I, I think we talked about this a couple of months ago, where we started at this, you know, we had starving athletes that needed to have this NIL. They don't have time to go get jobs. A lot of times they can come from poor families that can't really help you know, get them. We need to give these guys more avenues to uh, make money. So we need to do the NIL. Maybe schools should be paying them because they they make so much money off these athletes. And and that was you know the justification for finally pushing this through. It was good. You know, it was going to be good for the student athlete. But what I didn't realize is how potentially bad this could be for the fan. Now, I think there's good there's good aspects for his fan. You, you want to get your favorite player's jersey? Hey, you're going to be able to do that in a, in a lot of cases. Or, you know, like the jersey, shirt, whatever. You, you can do that. You can support your favorite athletes. There's chances for you to go out to places, get certain athletes to, uh, you know, sign your uh, sign your stuff before they're gone, you know, into the pros. 
you know, there, there's some benefits here. But I can't help, as a, as a fan, from the fan side of me, wonder, now, why is it that I'm doing the giving now? You know, before you had your boosters and stuff, you know, they had, and I'm not saying it's happening here, I don't know that it's happened here, but let's face it, you know, and, and there's been plenty of athletes in, in other institutions, big high-profile programs, they talk about the duffel bags full of money. Straight blue chips action. And and that used to be the case. Now, you as a fan, I, I mean, there's, there's an ask to support through the NIL stuff, buy the shirts, buy the jerseys. Some, some are asking, they want the social media follows, the likes, the retweets. Show us your fan. You're paying the money for the uh, tickets. Those things aren't getting you know cheaper anywhere across the country. Now there's now an ask, you know, more to, to put directly into the pockets. I, I think it's a little tough. And in addition to that, my fear is this is going to, it's not going to do it overnight. It's going to, it's going to, over time, change the relationship between players and fans, I think. And I don't think that it's going to be in a good way. Usually when you add large sums of money into any equation, there's, there's a lot of feelings that come out. You're going to see it all across the country. Guys that take large sums of money and then it gets publicly reported. That you will have fans that will be upset that the money was used. They, they donate. They're, they're not happy with who it's been used on. They'll be unhappy when they get outbought by another program that's tampering. And once they give somebody else more money to go, more money than your school's able to provide, perhaps. I mean, we already see what happens here when we have athletes that underperform in critical situations. Go, go on the message boards. Talk to some of these student athletes. Find out what they get on social media. It's not great. Now, you're going to add in the, uh, the notion that, you know, certain players get paid so much money and then don't perform in, in instances where you want to. Where you want them to? Well, it's going to be a lot of resentment. It's going to be a lot of anger. I'm scared about how that's going to change the dynamic of things. I thought maybe we were starting to settle into this, and I had a gist of it, but I feel like maybe we don't. And the other thing that kills me, too, is it's not like this is all getting distributed evenly to everybody. This is going to the top athletes who are, quite frankly, got the best shots at going on to do this for a living. I don't even think we're helping all the the starving student athletes that we thought we were going to help with this stuff. It's rough. But I think when you see, you know, the comments coming from a head coach like that, you understand where the game is at. Of course, we learned this during basketball season, didn't we? We learned it the hard way with Nigel Pack. $800,000 in a car. 
wanted to be here. Wanted the stuff instead. Again, can't fault him. Can't necessarily be mad at our program either for not being able to maybe match that. It just it, it, it's that new reality here. That it's exactly what's going on here. That it's like a free agency system that you, as a fan, you know, are going to get asked to pay into blindly. You're not going to have any idea how much is getting spent and and how it's getting spent or how it is used. Now, if you want to get into that, by all means, I'm not going to st- I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to stop you. I don't want to stop the kids from, you know, getting the money that they should be able to earn based off of their name. It's just when it comes to these collectives, and it is the new reality, and Purdue has to be in that pond. They just have to. If you want to continue to compete, you you got to be there. I just think it's kind of crappy that, you know, the argument for, for making sure we could do all this was, you know, school's making an awful lot of money on us. The school's not the one that's paying it now, though, right? It's the existing bag men who had always been doing it, now do it legally. And now you've also included the fan. I I know it's for some, but I I don't think it's going to be for everybody. I, I, I just don't. We're just in this really, really weird gray area with all that. Uh, but things are becoming more and more clear. The collective might be the driving force behind whether or not your team gets to have good players and whether or not they don't. We're going to take another break. Hang tight. More of the Hammer Down Show coming up next. 1017 The Hammer 1017. Hey, welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer 1017TheHammer.com. You know, you can always reach out on the Hammerhead hotline at 765 447 4080 and uh, text me. It's uh, super simple to do. That's 765 447 4080. All right, um, the NFL got some big news today with Jalen Hurts signing this deal. $255 million, five years. $179 million of this is guaranteed. That will reset the bar. Uh, it makes him the highest paid player, although not the highest in terms of guaranteed money. Um, you had Deshaun Watson... Had that $230 million, but all of it was guaranteed. So he gets $25 more million if he plays it all out than Watson gets. Sure, the NFL appreciates that, not having Deshaun Watson be the highest paid player in NFL history. But it's going to reverberate around here, especially with the Indianapolis Colts. And this may actually help reinforce their decision to stay with the draft. Now, first off, I would like to point out that Jim Irsay tweeted this out over the weekend. For the 23 draft, we have many options. With the number four pick, we could stay put, take a QB, trade up, take a QB, or trade down, and maybe take a QB. Or not. Smiley face emoji. All options are on the table, but we like our position and are very excited. What did I tell you since the Super Bowl? You cannot trust a single word 
out of anybody's mouth because they're all trying to fleece each other. And they're all trying to get the guy they want at the cheapest rate that they want. And they are very much in the market for a quarterback. That's not a secret. But I can't help but wonder if this price point here that you just got for Jalen Hurts doesn't have Lamar asking for more money. And another thing I think that you have to take a look as you are building your your roster is that the NFL salary cap is just a shade under $225 million. So you're looking at $50 million of that, right? Am, am I... By doing the math right, if you're getting five years, 255 mil, we're talking 50 mil a year? Whew. That's what? That's a fifth? Is that a fifth? Of your salary cap going to one position? I can't, there's no way I can't be doing those numbers right. That's insane. That's an absolutely insane number. Now, maybe the cap, you know, the the numbers probably, I'm sure the cap and everything, it works out. It's a little bit different. I haven't seen, we don't have all the details of everything, but you know they can wiggle their magic wand here, and and maybe it's a little backloaded. We don't know for sure. But if it's spaced out evenly, that's what it is. Like, they did that with Deshaun. Like, this year he only makes, like, 20 mil against the cap, and then it jumps to, like, 60 mil. So we'll see how this, I'm just saying that's a lot, it is a lot to put a a fifth of your entire money that you can use on one position. That has to be a heck of a game changer for you. And because that number is just getting so high, I got to wonder is, how many more teams are going to be vested in a, a quarterback that's like right out of the draft in those first five years and consider that the, the, the window, the real big window? You gotta be able to build now. I just, I, I, I can't see who's got that kind of money every year to pay out for a free agent to bring in and then just put that, and you haven't planned long term. I mean, you really got to find a quarterback to be able to plan this this contract structuring long term and what's around to really get that window. That's why I said when you know the rumors originally started with Indianapolis and Lamar, I, I said if you're going to give up the first round picks, which is a lot, and pay the money, which is almost absurd, you have to be able to say yes. I put Lamar on that team, and they are in the AFC Championship game. Because that has to be the minimal bar. 
to fork over that money and those first-round draft picks. And when you have somebody that eats up that much of the salary cap, too, those first-round draft picks are even more golden because you're going to get those better players on those first five-year deals that are not destroying the rest of your salary cap. You can still get high-impact players that should probably be making a lot more money than you're paying them on the rookie deals. And you get them in that time frame. And that at least allows you to structure, move, and have an idea of what you want to do with the numbers, what you should be able to do with the draft picks. Do I, do I know I'm going to be able to keep this guy? Does that mean I need to start stocking more first and second rounders here? Uh, should I be you know, trading guys in the fourth year? Because I really need to have the draft picks because it's it's all that plan. That's I, it's just an absurd number, and I think it just hammers home that you really have to find that position in the draft, and then you have to be prepared over those five years for that quarterback to get really good, and how you're going to be able to keep a team around it because this number is only going to go up. Good for him. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts does not deserve it. I'm just saying at what point, at what percentage of the cap for your team do you feel like you can't have that player and then still field a competitive team in the playoffs? Because if you don't feel like you can address your other needs, paying somebody that money, you might as well just let them go. You might as well trade them off and get something in return. If you can't pay that kind of money and and still be ready to have a team around that player over the next five years here, at least four years, then what is the point? And that's why I think Indianapolis, again, is going to stick with their draft pick and, and roll the dice on one of these younger guys. It just it seems like the smarter strategy. Maybe you get lucky and somebody wants to give you a little bit of a hometown discount. Doesn't have to be the highest paid player. But when you're spending that kind of money, it's got to come from a, another unit, another side of the ball. You can coach, you can scheme, but at one point you still need some talent. You know, especially at skill positions like secondary, you, just, you, you can't skimp. You got to have somewhat of a pass rush. You got to be able to block for this guy. Maybe you can get cheap at running back. I, I don't know. But I mean, this number keeps on going up, and, and guys want to be the highest paid and they want that title and stuff. And boy, It's awfully hard to do unless you are planning a couple years out of what exactly it's going to take. And the NFL cap's going to continue to go up, yes. But I think this percentage of what a quarterback wants for your, of your team's salary cap, I don't think that that's going to go down. So yeah, this is going to, this is going to have some reverberations around the league. Trying to think off the top of my head at um, who are the next guys up. Herbert's coming up. I mean, Joe Burrow 
Burrow doesn't seem like the type of guy that has to have like the most money. I don't know that Herbert's going to qualify for being a guy who's going to be able to ask for a lot. And certainly the Chargers had no problem uh, letting go of um, uh, Eckler, right, for what he provides. But this makes the Lamar Jackson situation even more interesting to me. And I think it, I just think it makes the Colts' decision even easier. We'll see who ends up being right. We're going to wrap it up here. Hang tight. More Hammer Down Show after the break. Big thank you for tuning in to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Time for some of the things that uh, we may have missed. Uh, a little housekeeping here as uh, Purdue apparently has, uh, I got the email here, final spring practice, which was going to be out at Folk Field on Saturday, has now been moved into Mollenkopf. Uh, instead, they'll have the practice at 11 a.m. They'll let media observe at the beginning and then kick them all out, and then they'll get to talk to coaches and, and stuff like that afterwards. So, yeah, all that uh, moving it out to folk, and I had all this, and it's all out the window now. <laughs> Good luck to on final week. These are, uh, it is an important week to, you know, valuations of players and, you know, portal getting ready to be fired back up. Or did the portal get fired up Friday? Tom told us that date. I feel like it was either this Friday or last Friday. I can't remember. Maybe it's next Friday. But, yes, we're getting back into that period, and you're going to start seeing some portal stuff uh, move as well. Well, I'll tell you what. This, this, Cubs, this Cubs West Coast swing is going to get weirder, isn't it? I told you at the top of the show that the visiting broadcast booth is – unusable apparently in Oakland because there is a possum that is living in the walls and has been since last year, which I, I, somebody get in there and take care of the daggone thing. How hard can it be? Ugh. Anyway, that's still, that is strange. And while what happened to Cody Bellinger in his first back back at L.A., is strange. It's a little bit more depressing than anything. You see, it's a time-honored tradition when you spend a lot of good years in a franchise and there's a lot of positive memories, and then they come back and play there at the first time. A lot of times there's some montages. Uh, there's usually, you know, clapping it up, hey, we appreciate your service type deal. And that's what happened to Cody Bellinger in his first at-bat. Comes out, big standing ovation, and give me a second, let me acknowledge the crowd. Everything's cool. The ump called him for a uh, pitch clock violation. Really? Really? We're going to be a stickler in, in that fashion of that? Please read the room. Please. We're getting out of a basketball season where everybody could just not stop complaining uh, about officials in the game. You know, it's one thing here to, we're going to argue balls and strikes and stuff in, in the, in the zone. And I know there's even Twitter accounts dedicated to tracking MLB, uh, umpires and how they do behind the plate. There's always this talk about, you know, machines taking over and, and calling the balls and strikes. But this is like a very simple thing. This is something that you can control. And this is a very common sense thing. 
It's not like it's a five-minute standing ovation. Let him have his, what is it, 30 seconds? Let him have the moment. The fans have the moment. They're the reason that we get to play this beautiful game and night in and night out. It's the fans. I know we're trying to shorten things up with the pitch clock and everything, but I think we're okay to let a one-time 30-second standing ovation go for a beloved player playing back at his at his old home stadium for the first time. It's not like it's going to happen all weekend. It's not like it happens every time they show up. For Pete's sakes, think of the fans for a second. Hopefully MLB straighten this dude out. Major League Baseball should have sent out a memo this week, too, discussing this. Just communicate with those umpires. That's all you got to do. Communicate with the umpires and say, hey, listen, so-and-so's back for the first time here. So who's ever behind the plate, game one, just be aware that that's going to happen. Let's wait about the 30 seconds there before you start, you know, let them settle in. And I think we could just avoid all this. It's just, It's so stupid, and it's so wrong. That's going to do it for us on the Hammer Down Show. It's uh, been another good one here. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Spending the hour talking local sports on 101.